podcast is brought to you by the University of Liverpool and the Envisioning the Indian City Project. India. With a history dating back five millennia and a population of more than one billion, it is no surprise that we continue to be fascinated with its people, faiths, culture and cities. In this episode of the Realised podcast series, Professor Nandini Das from the University of Liverpool's Department of English takes us to Goa, a space of encounter, with a variety of representations in text and art produced by early European travellers. Goa, India. Under a blazing hot sun, the sea glistens like mercury. The sand on the beach is white and fine. Walk away from the beach, and slowly the houses and roads come into view. The houses look vaguely European, as if one has wandered into a Mediterranean city on a particularly hot summer's day. Red tiled roofs and wooden shutters. The streets are lined with shops. Here someone is bound to try to sell you spices. There, jewellery and fabric of all kinds and colours. In another, imported bits and pieces from China. All around, there is a cacophony of voices. Indians from all parts of the country are here. Gujarati, Tamil, Telugu, even snatches of Bengali from the far eastern side of the country. And there's the foreign crowd, of course, Middle Eastern businessmen, European travellers either running in search of fortune or running away from whatever they want to escape back home, the glimpses of African faces in the crowd, even the occasional Japanese traveller scrupulously taking everything in. This was Goa in the 16th century, of course. And for a certain Dutch traveller who arrived here in the 1580s, it was all very strange. Here was no new world, a blank slate on which the European traveller could write whatever history he chose, as the Spanish and the English were attempting to do in the Americas, establishing colonies as little markers of their presence in a vast land. The Indies was part of an old world that even the ancients of Greece and Rome had referred to as old. The European visitors may not have understood its complex, intricate network of customs and alliances, but they knew that those existed and their presence, here and now, was attempting to leave a mark on thousands of years of history. My interest in Goa began with the travel account which that Dutch traveller published over a decade after his return from Goa. His name was Jan Huen van Lingschoten, and his book was called The Itinerario, printed in 1596. The Goa that Lingschoten visited existed as Portuguese overseas territory for about 450 years until it was annexed by India in 1961. Today, It is the name of a state within the Republic of India, with its capital at Panjim or Panaji. In Lingshotan's times, Goa referred specifically to what was the heart of the Portuguese Empire in the Indies, 
a city of such strategic importance and grandeur that it was seen as Lisbon's direct counterpart in the east. Goa Daurada, Golden Goa. Thanks to Linkshotan and other travellers like him, we know what this Goa was like, particularly because Linkshotan's account is crammed full of wonderful images. One of them is a panoramic picture of the main road in Goa that has become the masthead for the Etic website. It shows it in all its bustling, manic, crowded glory. Here, Portuguese women promenade under elaborate parasols. There, a baby stares out at us, its arms firmly latched around its Indian mother's neck. Portuguese men in cloaks doff their feathered hats to each other. Indian merchants stand right by them, working out a deal. It is easy to look at Goa and see Portuguese colonial power inscribed in its very fabric. It is still full of churches. The houses still offer unexpected glimpses of European architecture. Names of people, the Pintos, the Rosarios, the D'Souzas, all remind one of that long history of European possession. The sheer effort that the Portuguese administration put into stamping down potentially dangerous elements of heterogeneity, banning the Christian settlers of Goa from resorting to indigenous customs like singing folk songs or wearing saris and dhotis, corroborate that understanding. Yet one of the tasks of the Etic project has been to uncover and understand how that history is not simply one of conflict. Goa has always been a crucible where Europe and India has encountered and negotiated with each other. That encounter has been fraught with tension and misunderstanding, but both parties were affected in the process. When the Portuguese arrived, one of the first steps that they took was to create a new social base in Goa. And to do that, they gave permission to many Portuguese soldiers to leave the army, marry Indian women, and settle down in the city. In Linshotan's travel account, there are glimpses of the little changes that slowly occurred as a result. Their style of cooking changed, incorporating Indian elements, spices, rice, the habit of offering multiple small dishes. Many of them drank their wine like the Indians drank water, holding the cup high and not touching it with their lips. Most strikingly, they bathed, often twice a day and certainly before changing clothes, a habit that was still fairly unusual in Europe. Recurrent attacks of malaria and cholera meant that the Portuguese finally had to abandon the city of Goa in the 17th century and move their capital further up north. This new city is today's Panaji or Panjim. However, walking through the ruins of the abandoned old city, Vela Goa, or Old Goa, and looking at the closed wooden shutters of the old stately mansions, it is still easy to imagine how Linkshotan must have felt walking down those same streets more than 400 years ago, looking out at a space that was both strange and familiar, home and foreign, Indian and European, a space 
of memorable encounters. In the next podcast, we travel to Chandigarh, India's first planned city post-independence, 